Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh man, don't fall into a trap. This is Wretched Radio. I think that was spot on. Never has there been a better Elvis impersonator, (laughs) including that kid who played Elvis in the movie. Oh man, there's a trap and you don't want to step into it, but that doesn't mean you want to avoid the subject. I speak of anxiety and depression. We are currently living in an era when people are increasingly miserable and the church should receive that like a cultural slap in the face to go, wait, 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 wait. The, the, the people are hurting that surround us. Do we have anything to offer them? And that's where this gets dicey. And we don't want to fall into the trap of somehow just pumping up people's emotions because that has been done a lot. That is the seeker-sensitive movement, that we want to figure out what is the itch that our community has. We'll scratch it. And so when you begin with that starting point, well, you're probably not going to be as biblical as we should be. In fact, just a case in point, Saddleback Church, the pastor is retiring, and I'm not using his name on purpose. He delivered as his last message, the first message that he ever delivered. Listen to what he said and think seeker-sensitive, think pragmatism, utilitarianism, and if this is the right way to build a church. One of the values, purpose-driven values, that we hold on to here at our church is, quote, begin with the end in mind. What is that? Well, that is pragmatism. If this is our goal, now we just got to get there, and we're going to do what it takes to arrive at the pre-described destination. In other words, there is a temptation with the seeker-sensitive model to be focusing more on the goats than on the sheep, to be focusing on the world and not the church, to be focusing on the outside, not the inside. Frio, we get the point already! We, as Christians, should desire to have godly churches, to have churches that exalt Jesus Christ, to have churches that are packed with people who grow in Christ-likeness. In fact, Jimmy, I found this verse for this weekend. What, what is it? Going to be at the Foot Mountain yeah. Baptist Bible <laughs> Preaching Church. What's it called? Foothills Community Church. Whatever. <laughs> On Saturday night, going to be spending some time to talk about marriage and family. Because, Jimmy, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I am able to teach on marriage because I have done it perfectly for 32 Uh, years. Really? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) let me tell you, the people who attend this thing are going to be very blessed. (laughs) Well, this would be like, was it Herod? (laughs) Received glory and then got worms and died. I feel like I'm about to become him. Ephesians chapter 4 
And verse, I think it's about 11 or 14. And he himself gave some, oh yeah, it's I'm close. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets. So Paul, having delivered a lengthy diatribe on the glories of the gospel for the first three chapters of Ephesians, now launches into chapter four, where he talks about the church and, and what we're supposed to be doing as a church. So some people have different offices. I don't know that this is an exhaustive list, but we're supposed to be functioning as a body. And there should be leadership. There should be elders. I do believe that there should be, for lack of a better word, a chief elder. Otherwise, you will just be stuck in the mud. Very difficult to make decisions when there is nobody who can say, look, we got to move forward here. We're going this direction, gentlemen. Nevertheless, for the equipping of the saints, these offices exist for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is what a church should look like, that the people in leadership aren't doing everything. Instead, they're equipping you and me to do everything, to be making sure that we know what we're doing, to be sure that we aren't teaching something heretical, to be sure that our lives are in alignment with what we're teaching to kids or to high schoolers or to adults for that matter. That is the role of the elders. But now here, here it comes, by the way. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, doctrine here, doctrine there, instead, speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. That's what the church is about. So we don't need to determine what this church is going to look like in 20 years. We need to strive to be that now. And if God blesses it, God blesses it and we praise him. If God keeps it small or even dissolves it, we praise him because he knows what is best. Our task is not to build an empire. Our task is to be faithful, to be building and strengthening the kingdom of God manifested most intensely in the local church. And this, I think, has implications for our current culture when we recognize and look around us and we see, wow, a lot of people are suffering. Hey, hmm, we could, are you suffering? Come to church. Are you, are you, are you suffering? We, we've got a message. Now, are those things true? Yes, they are. But I do believe that we need to make sure that we are not being pragmatic. We need to be pointing people toward Christ, not to the fruit that he provides. And if we're going to talk about the fruit, it should be only to embellish the tree. Look, I never took a course in agriculture, but I still think that illustration works. We should be pointing people to Christ, to Christ, to Christ, to Christ. Isn't that what we just heard in Ephesians chapter 4? This is from, oh, this is from Brickpoint, Chuck Olson. It's John Stone Street. The teen mental health crisis, how do we respond? And he cites the statistics. We've all heard them, so we won't dwell here long. In 2019, 13% of adolescents reported having a major depressive episode. That's up 60%. Teen suicide leapt nearly 60% in the, in the same time. 
Mental health disorders have surpassed physical conditions as the most common reasons children have impairments and limitations. Whoa. We've got a lot of hurting kids out there, and I don't mind telling you, I see it every time that I go to the campuses. These kids, they are like an empty bucket. And if you come with some living water, you just you just pour it in. Even, even I would go this far these days, you just come with some interest in them, and you will be able to pour into them and pour into them and pour into them because they're empty. In other words, they will give you a hearing. They will spend time with you because you're willing to spend time with them. This has implications for the church. The demand for care is outpacing the number of trained counselors and psychologists. Hmm. Biblical counseling, anyone? There are not enough professionals to help people with their maladies, but the church sure could. Couldn't we? Again, we do not bring people to biblical counseling. We bring people to Christ, which is why biblical counseling is predicated on a belief in Jesus Christ. And if the individual being counseled does not possess that belief, then you do not pass go. You do not collect a thousand. What is it? Do not pass go. Do not collect. I think it's $200, isn't it? I I don't I won't even buy a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread these days. Biblical counseling is evangelistic, but we still need to be careful. We don't want to lure people to biblical counseling life hacks so that they can learn how to cope better. Children are vulnerable to radically changing social conditions, harmful ideas about their minds and bodies, the loss of institutions crucial to their health and well-being, and a barrage of bad news. In other words, they just get hammered by what they hear on social media And they're quite unhappy as a lot. If we don't see an opportunity in this as a church, (laughs) and we wonder, how is it that the culture got away from us? If indeed this form of government, as John Adams said, demands a religious people. Okay, we don't have a religious people anymore because this system is failing us because you do not have people with an internal compass aimed in the right direction. And so we are seeing people who are hurting. And if we look at the culture and go, I don't like what's going on, well, we can do something about it. We want to be careful. We don't do it to save society. We are not here to make America great again. It's not why we're here. We're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that sinners would be saved. We are here to reach out to the lost, to the hurting, to the bruised and broken reeds of society and offer them strength and hope and life in Jesus Christ. If, if we see the culture slipping away, can we blame the church? I'm afraid we can. Because if we were evangelizing, and more people were getting saved, you wouldn't be seeing drag time story hour in your local public school. This is Wretched Radio. 
Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Thanks for joining us on Ratchet Radio today. Have you had the opportunity to check out Season 1 of Transformed? It's like nothing else you'll find on Christian TV. You get the opportunity to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions that tackle issues like anxiety and depression and OCD and substance abuse. You'll see how biblical counseling gets to the heart of issues. Transformed is changing lives. And don't just take my word for it. Thank you guys so much for Transformed. Transformed has literally changed my life. Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson do a masterful job with Transformed. Season 1 is available now at Transformed.org. Season 2 is currently in development as well as Transformed Couples. And all of this is only made possible by our gospel partners. If you're not currently a gospel partner, check out Wretched.org slash donate to get answers to any question you may possibly ever have about becoming a gospel partner. That's Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Two hundred. That's right. Two hundred tomorrow clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the tomorrow clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, tomorrow clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church. It became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland a hotbed of Reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for Reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There's a reason conservatives are more happy than liberals. Happier? This is Wretched Radio. Article from the WND.com citing some surveys, lots of them over the last 50 years. It turns out American conservatives claim to be happier than liberal people. And I don't actually doubt that. All that does is affirm what we should know biblically, that only in Christ do you find true joy. 
Only in being a member of a local church will you feel a greater community. It is only by professing faith in Jesus Christ that ultimately you will get closer because on this side of the veil, you're never going to arrive at perfect joy, contentment, peace with no anxiety. But you're going to get a lot closer. We know that biblically. The surveys support what we know. Five decades of studies, American conservatives say they're much happier than liberals. They also report greater meaning and purpose in their lives and higher overall life satisfaction. This is why we need to be really thoughtful about how we respond to people who are hurting. Statistic after statistic, teenagers especially, are feeling the impact of living as Gen Z, Gen XY, whatever they are, with social media and with electronic devices attached firmly to the palms of their hands, they are feeling anxious and lonely. And we might be tempted to come along and say, become a Christian, and you won't be. No. Instead, we want to point them to the one who is abandoned more than we ever will, who says, come, I will make you my child. I will adopt you into my family, and you will be secure, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we want to be careful evangelistically when we assess a society has a particular need. The church's job isn't to fulfill that need. The church's job is to lift up Jesus Christ, and I do believe that this has implications for youth group. The kids are hurting. There is no question about it. And if you are involved with youth, I can assure you that even in your good Bible teaching church, there are kids sitting there that are they're, they're staggering internally. They Remember when you were a teenager? I was an utter buffoon, and I'm not just talking about physically, although I could trip over a flat surface. Internally, figuring things out, what's going on with everything that's running through your mind. You you got monkey brain as a teenager. And we want to be careful about how we engage in that to just not simply gloss over the root. Because loneliness isn't the root problem. Loneliness is a fruit of a theological issue. That's always the case. So what can be? There's many roots that can always be producing the fruit of loneliness or anxiety. And if we just look at the fruit and say they're lonely, therefore we'll have more kids' activities. Now, that could be perfectly good and wise to do. I get that. That's practical. But that's not going to get to the root of the problem. We need to be teaching kids, you are never alone. Your best friend will never leave your side. No more than that. He'll never leave your insides. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He's in every situation, and he does indeed sympathize with you because he's been through it. He was forsaken by everybody. Every friend ran away. Every, people that he had poured his life into for three years vanished, so fat, including Peter. One of them even betrayed him. Thomas doubted him. Peter denied him. He gets it. He does indeed get you. He understands you. And he's willing to help you every second of every single day. Here's how he does it. 
not through platitudes or pizza parties. He does it by changing, renewing your thinking. What is the process for that? Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us. The renewing of our mind comes from understanding the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Where do we find that? In the Bible. And in the Bible only. And by the way, we also find some of that wisdom even in the Old Testament. That's right. Even in the Old Testament. was reading an article, couldn't help but think about the great unhitcher. Wrote some really lovely things about the Old Testament and why we should not be abandoning it to make ourselves look a little less crazy to people because, well, they think that the God of the Old Testament is really, really nasty and awful. It was an encouragement. Without the Old Testament, you don't have the new. It just falls down. It implodes on itself. It has no pillars or foundations. All of the Old Testament allusions, Bible verses being quoted, gone, gone, gone. And you are left with the conundrum, who says? Who says? Why would I trust this Jesus? Sure, he does some miracles, but how do I know that his proclamation that he's the Son of God is true? It's because you read the Old Testament and you go, there it is. Without the old, you don't have the new. And by the way, the Old Testament, if you are not having your kids read the Proverbs every day, they're missing out on a lot of wisdom. Each one of them is power-packed with good wisdom that is godly, that will shine a light on their darkened path. To unhitch the Old Testament, not a good idea at all. Instead, preach the Old Testament. In fact, I say you die deep into the Old and New Testaments. I mean deep. That's what the kids need to have their minds renewed. The transformation that we seek for our kids, it is found through their brains, not through their stomachs, not through their senses. It is found through truth. And that is why if we do not like that our kids are hurting and they are hurting, to not dive deep into the Word is to not help them It doesn't help them to do activities that are Christian. They need a deep teaching of the Word. And that's why I think that this statistic that we've been seeing from different surveys and studies says that conservative people are, are in general, more happy. Why? Because they're doing God things. For instance, marriage tends to make people happier. And conservative folks are more likely to be married. Religious belief is also linked to happiness, and conservatives tend to be more religious. One of the biggest correlates with happiness in our surveys was the belief of a meritocracy, which is the belief that anybody who works hard can make it. That was from a secular psychologist, by the way. Two studies talk about this and support that conservative people are more happy, but it's connected to their belief system. So if we want to boil this down, if a kid doesn't have a robust belief system, in other words, if a kid doesn't know more theology, it's not going to be happy. The more theology we teach our children, the happier they will be. Now, to be clear, we don't teach theology so they can be happy. We teach theology so that they can be, yeah, holy, but more than that, that they can love Jesus more. That's the goal. 
And when they are exposed to more theology, both New and Old Testaments, they have a more firm conviction that the Christ is their friend, is the one who will always comfort them because his Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And when you're lonely, when you're scared, don't run to unwholesome activities. Don't run to a bottle. Don't. Okay, Jimmy, get ready for this one. This is this is going to be gold right here. I'm ready. Don't run to Southern comfort. Oh, oh that's good. Thank you. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> I, I'm going to tweet that. Right. <laughs> I don't have Twitter, though. <clears throat> Sorry, just had a Southern Baptist moment there is what I just had. Teach the kids theology. It's what they need. They need a, a more robust understanding of Jesus Christ, the sure one, the reliable one, the unchanging one, the giving one, the sympathetic one, the one who is our strong tower into whom we should run whenever we're feeling lonely or scared. Now, that doesn't mean the church should abandon anything practical when it comes to coming alongside of people. You see somebody who is a loner, well, you jump into that. But the best thing that we can do for that loner, who will at some point be alone, because we all are, is that we teach them that there is one who does not leave them stranded, that they can turn to, and if they really want to know what that great heavenly friend is thinking, open up the Bible and read it. They can jump into the Psalms, one more reason to not unhitch the Old Testament. And they can read how to moderate their hearts and how people who are under pressure, perhaps even more pressure than we're under these days, would run to God, their strong tower, plead their case, ask for comfort, find themselves drinking from still waters and being nourished in green pastures. If we're troubled, that our kids are troubled, and we should be, let's befriend, keep doing activities, but more than all of that, keep teaching them deeper and deeper truths about Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Recently, we've seen Project Veritas release several videos in their ongoing series exposing leftist indoctrination in American schools. And over the weekend, a new video has been released featuring a middle school teacher from New York City who admitted on camera, among other things, to advising students how to strategically commit political violence to further left-wing goals. You know, I don't know many middle schoolers who are clamoring to commit political violence to further left-wing goals. There's an update in the story that's been going on an extremely long time. I'm talking about the Christian bakers who were slammed with fines and ultimately lost their business after they refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding back in 2013. Their case previously went before the U.S. Supreme Court in 2019, who sent it back to the lower court to deal with. Well, now attorneys from First Liberty Institute, who is partly representing the couple, say that the case now does need to go back before the U.S. Supreme Court because the state violated their due process and First Amendment rights. So, honest question. Wonder if the case is going to get settled before Jesus returns. 
Todd Rokita, who's the attorney general for the state of Indiana, has appealed a district court ruling that forces a public school's girls' softball team to accept a biological male onto the team. A U.S. district judge made the ruling over the summer that a 10-year-old boy at Indianapolis Public Schools had to be allowed to join the all-girls softball team. Problem is, her ruling is in violation of a state law that was enacted in May that requires public and private schools to expressly designate sports as either for boys or girls and also prohibits biological males from joining female teams. So the judge's ruling violates the state law and the state's attorney general is hitting back. And I'm not the legal type, but this looks pretty cut and dry. So our friend Whoopi Goldberg back in the news as she makes another statement on The View that's making the rounds. This last spate of stuff comes from a place of religion. I thought I was allowed to be who I am. That's why you want to be an American, because you're free to be. You just have to make sure you don't get in somebody else's business and hurt somebody or kill somebody. Let's just stop right there. You're free to do most things in this country as long as it doesn't hurt or kill somebody. Abortion kills somebody, Whoopi. That's why it's a problem. A high school teacher in Texas has been fired after she was caught on video and then the video was uploaded to TikTok telling her class that they did not have the right to call pedophiles pedophiles. And here's the exact quote. You're not allowed to label people like that. Stop it. We're not going to call them that. We're going to call them maps, minor attracted persons. So don't judge people just because they want to have sex with the five-year-old. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with the teacher. And it looks like the El Paso School District also disagreed with her because after their investigation, the teacher was promptly let go. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1727. A spiritual awakening at Hernhut, Germany, launches the Moravian Brethren as the forerunner of modern Protestant missionary movements. This 300-member group sent missionaries to Asia, Africa, North and South America, and the Arctic. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, there it is. <laughs> right on top of my stack. Uh, this is Wretched Radio, Jimmy. I hold in my never-before nicotine-stained fingers the article that I was alluding to that I couldn't find because it was right underneath my nose. Yeah. It was the title that kind of tossed me. I started reading it. It said, A Physical Spiritual Dichotomy. And I went, uh, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for why we need to be reading the Old Testament. Well, that's what it's about, a physical spiritual dichotomy in reading the two testaments. It's a very interesting article. This this fellow in this particular article, his name is Jackson B. Shepherd. He he was he was saying that while there is truth in the understanding that the Old Testament was primarily physical, the New Testament spiritual. So, for instance, the Old Testament there was a physical location, there was a temple or a tabernacle. The New Testament. Jesus tabernacles in us, that he dwells in us spiritually as opposed to going to meet him physically. It is a spiritual encounter. And he, he, he said that's maybe not entirely satisfying, but there is, he even acknowledged there is truth to it, though, isn't there? That, there, that we do see an exchange the sacrificial, the physical sacrificing of animals with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, now that physical system is gone. The blood gets applied through faith. 
in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We move from more of a physical into a spiritual. But that's not why I brought this up. A physical-spiritual dichotomy in reading the two testaments. Two. Two testaments. Now, one. Two. The church's encounter with Marcion in the second century taught her many things. Who was Marcion? As you're going to hear, he was an individual who was swiftly deemed a heretic because he said, let's just do away with the Old Testament. We don't need that thing. When this innovative heretic-to-be suggested that Christianity existed in opposition to the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish God, the church quickly showed him the door. In this process, above all, she learned that her identity and the identity of the gospel which she was given is dependent upon the Jewish scriptures. Indeed it is. When Jesus was talking to the lost sheep of Israel, who are they? Well, what are we talking about? Well, we don't have any reference point because we unhitched our Old Testament. You almost... All right, I'm going to give this a try. Jimmy, yeah. I'm now opening up my Bible to the book of... I'm going to cheat a little bit and go to Matthew. <laughs> All right, so this is... Oh, this could be a disaster. <laughs> then one of the 12... All right, stop right there. Why 12 disciples? Hmm? Well, we learn in the book of Revelation that they are going to the, the 12 rulers, the disciples, are a picture of the 12 nations and the 12 children of Jacob. Hmm. Without, what's 12? What is, why, what's the importance of 12? Well, it has Old Testament significance. Jimmy, I'm going to push my luck here. Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. Um... Jimmy? Yes? What's a chief priest? What do they do? Where do they do their work? In the temple. Who? What, uh, how do you know that? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was lucky guess. I see. <laughs> he went, uh, Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver, which was basically the price of a slave. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray them. Now, that's verses 14 through 16. If I take a look, oh, man, Scylla, I don't have my glasses on. In verse 14, I'm looking for, okay, verse 15, it alludes to Exodus 21, 32, Zechariah 11, 12. Verse 17, Exodus 12, 6, 18 through 20. So you can now go back and read those verses, and you're going to better understand the betrayal of Judas Iscariot and go, okay, this was actually predicted. This was prophesied that he would be betrayed by a brethren. Where does that fulfillment come from? Well, there's no fulfillment if there isn't a prophecy in the Old Testament. It's filled with prophecies. Most people think about 300 or so that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Without the Old Testament, well, Jesus was just another street preacher. He was just another wanderer, had some disciples, was able to convince some people to give him money and support him. But there would be no reason to believe that his claims were valid and that he was genuinely the Son of God. Back to the article, good, I like good writing. And this Jacob, you know, sorry, Jackson B. Shepherd. 
I wonder if that's actually his name or is that some sort of rap thing? Jackson B. Shepherd, Kind of a hip. He beats a shepherd. When Marcion suggested that the Church of Christ cut the umbilical cord to those Jewish texts, which in his view chained her to their religious immaturity, the church noted aptly that the scissors of Marcion were not aimed at any cord, but at her legs. That's good writing right there. And that's why you see an unhitching of the Old Testament is being as so dangerous because it, it, it just cuts out the legs of the New Testament. Now, incidentally, we do have a reverse problem these days. If you take the time to listen to prosperity preachers, they're usually not on the radio. Radio tends to be more of a conservative domain because people who think deeply on the things of God are attracted to the oral communication style and they don't need the visual. And so the the false teachers that are prosperity preachers, they tend to inhabit TV a lot. And you will hear the reverse problem. They only go to the Old Testament. You never hear any deep exegetical preaching from the New Testament. Why? Because they can go to the Old Testament and they can find a parenthetical remark and build an entire prosperity theology on it. See there? See see what she did right there? Is that with the widow of Nain right there? No, oh, wait a second. The, uh, the, uh, of Zarephath? You see, she, what she did, you need to be doing. And if you do that, bingo, jackpot, you've just won the lottery. They <laughs> love preaching from the Old Testament. They don't like the New Testament. Because the New Testament shows, again, spiritual concerns. We are rich, not because of our bank accounts, but because of Jesus Christ has made us rich. The poor become rich. The blind are given sight. The lame are made to walk. The lost are found. That's that's the transition we see into the New Testament. Back to our article. The Old Testament then is here to stay. To the extent the Old Testament vanishes, so do the people of God, whose name is written in its language. You don't have Jesus being a better David. The point of Matthew's gospel goes kaput. Why? Because Matthew is all about the business of of showing that Jesus Christ is the better king. He's the better David. He's the better Moses. Who are they? What? Who's... Who are they? Uh, whatever. I guess I guess I'll go to church as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Removing the Old Testament from Christianity would be like removing color from a sunset. Good stuff right there. But I digress. Jimmy. Yes. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but the queen died. Uh, yeah, did see. Interesting. Carl Truman. He's a good thinker. We've spent time on his book... Stranger Things. No, that's not it. A strange thing happened on the way to 2022. Now, that wasn't it. Uh, Strange New World? Strange New World. I think that's it. (laughs) Smart guy, good thinker. Claims that the queen had a quiet but serious Christian faith. A friend who once had the privilege of being a royal chaplain and spending a weekend at Balmoral Castle confirmed that the conversations he had with the queen revealed revealed her to be a thoughtful, devout Christian. As a humble Christian, she took her earthly vocation seriously. 
if you believe in the divine right of kings, placing the needs of the office and of the people she ruled before her own. Well, long live the memory of that queen. <laughs> Good luck with what you've got now, Great Britain. That's all That's all I'm going to say about the new. You don't, you don't like Charles? I wasn't talking about anybody in particular. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just talking. Okay. That's all. As long as we're in Great Britain, the new prime minister, when recently asked about her religious beliefs, according to the Evening Standard, she said she considered herself Christian, but not particularly practicing. Well, if you're not particularly practicing, yeah. you're not a Christian. I share the values of the Christian faith in the Church of England, but I'm not a regular practicing religious person, said the new prime minister. Well, at least she's conservative, but don't be shocked if her convictions waver, because unless you have your values politically, socially, morally, Grounded in both the New and Old Testaments. You're bound to compromise. Time will tell. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners. Some have workout partners. We all need accountability partners. Then you have partners in crime. Not something I recommend. Or marriage partners. Something I do recommend. And then, of course, we can't forget about the Wretched Gospel Partner. Our gospel partners, that would be many of you, provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do. You faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, Breaking Bread, Wretched Worldview, The Drive-By Series. I could keep going, but we'd be here far too long. Plus, I think you already get the point. Without you, there is no Wretched. So we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. 
it works and the members including myself and mrs friel love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at metashare 844-34-BIBLE or metashare.com slash wretched books of the bible Ephesians was written by Paul to the churches around Ephesus. It is about who Christians are and how they live. When we are in Christ, we are made alive, reconciled to God, and united with other believers in the church. If you are struggling in your walk with Christ, perhaps it is time to revisit what Christ has done for you and who you are in Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, isn't this Petula Clark? This is Wretched Radio. It's a sign of the times when you've got yourself a generation that is quietly quitting. Have you heard the term? It's hard to define because its semantic range is pretty vast. But the concept basically is you go to work, but you just do enough to not get canned. Don't go the extra mile. You need to have work-life balance, to which I say salute on that subject. Now, how we find that balance can only be derived from reading the manual that our maker has given to us about time management. Predominantly, we're workers. We're not loungers. We're not travelers, primarily. We can do all of those things, but that ain't what we're about. God is working a lot, and we as his image bearers are to be working, too. We are still supposed to be taming this planet. We still are supposed to be helping people, contributing to the greater good, We are to be doing stuff. We are to be the best workers in the workplace. Not the quiet quitters, but this is a sign of the times. This, this, the current generation, not everybody, because right down the hall from where I'm standing, we have got ourselves some from that generation that work plenty hard and that are faithful to putting their hands to the plow and not sloughing off. There are some that work hard, but I think it's safe to say as a rule, you've got a generation that doesn't quite understand work-life balance in part because they saw mom and dad. Mom and dad worked, in general, like a nobody's business. They went about the business of trying to provide a better life than the one that they had as a child. That's totally noble. I think we maybe went too far. (laughs) And the work-life balance, perhaps, of the preceding generation was tipped on the wrong side of work, where that's all it was. It was just everything is work. Everything is about accumulating. And the next generation saw that and went, nah, not for it. So what do they do? They quietly quit. For the most part, they know that they have to work, although there are some people, I read an article in the New York Times, and it was about just plain quitting, not quietly quitting. Still going to work, punching the clock, but not doing much. These people quit. And if I recall, this was a number of weeks ago, there were six different people that the New York Times tracked who just said, we've had enough of this. There was one highlight that I thought was of interest for all of us to consider. These people said, when we quit, we did not realize the pressure that we were under until we were no longer under it. That's an interesting thought because we can be too consumed by work. But that doesn't mean we go to the opposite extreme. 
Christians do need to figure out the balance, but I would say the scales tip on the side of work, doing stuff, getting busy, not just sinking into the couch for four more hours of Netflix. You can do that if you want to. That's I'm not saying that all leisure activity is verboten. God gives us discretionary time, but we're to be laborers. And if you don't have anything to do, call your pastor. I'm sure there is stuff around your church that needs to be done that you can do. And incidentally, how do you know what your service is at your church? If you're scrambling to figure out what that is, might I suggest it's the thing you've been complaining about? If you are agitated because the children's facilities are dirty, then go clean them. If you are troubled by the fact that there aren't enough Bible studies, then lead one. We need to be working. Yes, we do have leisure time, but we are not quitters quietly or otherwise. The trend, which is growing, courtesy of the social media app, TikTok. Or is it TikTok? It's one word. TikTok. It's like Chikosa. Chosa has nothing to do with leaving your job. It supports the idea of meeting expectations at work and nothing more. Avoiding going above and beyond. We're to be workers, not sluffers. We're supposed to be leading the trend and be getting the attaboys and girls. Retire on the job refers to someone who shows up to work just to slack off and ends up offloading duties onto their co-workers. Why do we live in a culture that would promote such thinking? It's because we live in a culture that is not informed by the Protestant work ethic. That we don't pat, we love our neighbor. We don't try to get away with stuff so that somebody in a different cube has to do it. I serve, I help, I assist, I encourage, I support. That's the Christian way of working. This is just a sign of the times. This is just another fruit that is being produced from a godless root. I was watching the TV monitors at the gym because, well, frankly, any distraction from actually lifting heavy things is fine by me. And once again, Jimmy, I don't know if you know this, but apparently Donald Trump has done something because that's all CNN apparently talks about. They're just every... I go twice a week, and every time I look at the monitors, the CNN, it has something to do with Mar-a-Lago. It has something to do with January 6th. It has something to do with Russia. It's just endless on the CNN. But I saw another news feed that talked about relational quitting. And this, too, is a sign of the times. You've got a, you've got a, a couple, a boy and a girl, hopefully, and they're dating as we do these days. And they decide, you know what, this one isn't floating my relational boat. Do I abandon ship? No. I just quietly quit until they jump off deck. Until they want to vamoose instead of finding the courage to say, I'm so sorry. I don't think this is going to work out. And you know what, actually, you know what would be a better way to say that? I hope I never have to use this line because I don't want to. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I do not have this down perfectly, but after 32 years of marriage, I get the one flesh ideology a whole lot better now. You take my wife, you take me, yeah. you take, you take, you don't take an arm or a leg, you take half of me. 
and 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 I don't ever ever want to be into the position of having to break up with a girlfriend. But if you have to, maybe something along the lines of, I don't deserve to be with somebody like you. And I've concluded that we're not a great fit, that things just aren't as in sync as they need to be for a marriage to be successful and fruitful. That's a whole lot better than quietly quitting a relationship, not returning phone calls, You know what? We used to have a name for people who would do that. It was called jerk. You were a jerk. What do you don't pick up your phone? You don't listen to your voicemail messages on your answering machine. You'll just have to Google that reference. What about returning emails? Same thing. Text, whatever it is. Really, really. Don't be, you know, yeah, we can go out on Saturday and you go out and you're just kind of distracted. No, no, no. Integrity, honesty, quiet quitting, whether it is in the workplace or whether it is in relationships, no place in the Christian worldview. Speaking of quitting, sorry, but I can't help but think about the student loan forgiveness business. And this, too, might just be a sign of the times. Now, I get it. If the government wants to do something as boneheaded as preferentially giving money to some people and not to others, (laughs) I I don't know that you're sinning by not participating in that program, but shouldn't we be hearing people say, hold on, wait a second, government. It's not fair that somebody else pays my debt. I need to pay my debt. I'm not. Well, that's probably racist. I was going to say I'm not going (laughs) to welch on a debt, but that probably has something to do with a nationality, doesn't it? Probably. I wonder why they got that descriptor. At any rate, when we are trying to figure out how to respond to the government. I I think today it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to take the student loan. It's too expensive anyway. And everything's really expensive. So, yeah, forgive my debt. Well, I think there should be at least a little apprehension on the part of the Christian that says, wait, who's paying for this exactly? Because it ain't coming from nowhere, which is another sign of the times that people don't understand. There is nothing free Somebody's got to pay for it. In our system, it's your next-door neighbor. Where are the voices, even in Christian circles, saying, government, no, because I don't want to put that burden on my neighbor. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I don't want to take some of their stuff so that I don't have as much debt. Perhaps a sign of the times, Samuel say, This giveaway forces carpenters to subsidize Harvard law grads working prestigious federal clerkships before cashing in with big law and engineers who work hard to pay off their debts to cover the tabs run up by unemployed sociology graduates. Oof, that's a bit of a sting, isn't it? It creates massive perverse incentives. Colleges can keep raising tuition and students can keep borrowing to pay for it while hoping and lobbying for another round of bailouts. This is an unfair program. Biden's student loan forgiveness isn't real forgiveness. It doesn't cancel an individual's debt. It redistributes their debt and forces others to pay for it. And yet, this very welcome program is... Patula Clark, and no, I won't sing it again. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.